0: Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today we're joined by Catherine Whitaker, who is the Director of Client Relations at Burr Foreman. She assumes that role with the merger as of January 1. Catherine, great to have you with us.
1: Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit about your background, Catherine.
1: Certainly. I have always been interested in the legal industry. I actually considered going to law school, but thought I might take a year off before doing so. I majored in communication studies at Clemson University, and our department always sent out entry level positions to recent graduates. And one of those that I received was for a marketing coordinator position at a law firm with about 60 attorneys in Greenville, South Carolina. And I got that position. And as they say, the rest is history. So I've been in legal marketing now for about 14 years, worked at both big law firms and mid-sized law firms. And I love what I do.
0: You recently published a post. Uh, was this an article or a, or a blog post Your innovation piece?
1: It was an article for JD Supra in their Perspectives column um, from in-house legal marketing and business development people. So it was an article for, for that series.
0: Right, and that really caught my eye because you you are actually somewhat critical of the idea of law firm innovation, at least in its current form. Talk to us a little bit about your perspective.
1: Absolutely, you can probably glean some of that perspective from the title, which is "Stop It with Innovation Already," and obviously that's meant to be to be eye-catching. I think it was it got some some really good feedback from folks who'd read that article. And I am not saying all innovation is bad, not at all. But what I am saying is we really need to stop always chasing the next big thing to the exclusion of focusing on doing the right things better. So, you know, the the folks that I have observed, including the lawyers, so both the lawyers and the marketers and business developers, who get really excited about kind of the next big thing and always want to start a new project, you know, have a hard time, seeing a project through to completion or, if they do, to maintaining it. You know, it takes a lot of work to develop some of these programs and then once they're developed to continue them and to make sure they're successful. And a lot of them have a really good ROI. So instead of, you know, kind of letting that program that's been very successful fall by the wayside, you know, in exchange for this new shiny new object, perhaps we should continue some of our tried-and-true activities and tactics and really just do the right things better. So that's kind of what I laid out in that article and had a couple of ideas for, for how firms uh, can do that. But that that's generally what I mean, that always chasing the next big thing is not necessarily, in my opinion, the right way to go for every firm.
0: Well, I can certainly relate to what you're saying. We have launched various business development initiatives at law firms that have uh, demonstrated a really healthy ROI and the firms have opted from time to time not to renew them. And we always sort of walk away scratching our heads going, you know, what else are you working on that's generating, a, you know, 10, 20, 30 X ROI that you would swap your focus out from something that, you know, has piloted effectively for something else. I think it definitely lends credence to what you've been talking about, which is that there is a little bit of a shiny new toy syndrome, but I think it it goes deeper than that because, You have transitions in leadership, whether it's the marketing partner or the CMO or the managing partner, whoever sort of signed off on the thing. Uh, If they end a term and their successor steps in, then their successor has ideas and probably wants to make a mark of some sort and may bring in a new wave of innovation there may be a little bit also of kind of an industry-wide fear factor going on. We are living in mm-hmm. uncertain times with flat demand and a lot of talk of technology eating our lunch, so to speak. So you know, how are we going to come up with that next new thing that's going to bolster against that anxiety? I think all of those things lend themselves to this, uh, this dynamic that you just described. Talk to us a little bit about some of the recommendations that you made in your article on what firms can do to protect against, you know, having this uh, corporate ADD, if you will.
1: Absolutely. I think you're right about that definitely playing into um, kind of the leadership turnover and someone wanting to come in and, and do things differently or shake things up or make their own mark by, you know, kind of turning to a new program. But, you know, I really do think that because the legal marketing and business development profession is becoming a more valued partner to law firm leaders, um, and we are in our own right becoming law firm leaders, that I think that's really helping because at least we are measuring and reporting on this stuff. And I think that the more that we are involved in direct business development efforts and in client relationship management and in firm strategy – you know we are going to see some of um, some of that improve in terms of focusing on the right things and the right programs that really do show the bigger returns. And so I think that's really good. What I would say in terms of for other for other marketers and kind of how to how to go about this, I really do think it's about knowing your firm really well. If you know your firm and its strengths and its culture, then you can really identify and leverage opportunities that your firm is uniquely suited for. Uh, And I think that that's really important. And a lot of us get stuck in the weeds on some things that frankly don't really matter, like sponsorship approval requests and those type of things that generate a lot of activity and take a lot of time. Instead, we should be studying our firm, right? And we should always be learning and always be getting to know folks and what their strengths are. I'm a big fan of the whole idea um, of Gallup's Finder for an individual. And I think that applies to a firm too, right? So instead of trying to maybe increase an area where, where we're weak or we maybe don't have depth or something like that. Instead, let's let's focus on our strengths and grow and expand, you know, the areas that we know um, are really ours and where we, we kind of dominate.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's one other thing that we can be doing, and we're heading in this direction, but slowly as sort of a, a division within the law firm, right? I'm talking about marketing and BD which is that we need to do a better job of tracking the key performance indicators that help us understand whether or not something is actually generating a profit to the firm. I, I think we're very good at knowing where we're spending our money, what our budget allocations are. And we're good about understanding you know, how many clicks came in on the website, perhaps mm-hmm. based on a mm-hmm. particular investment that we might've made in SEO or something like that. But we're not very mm-hmm. good at then being able to make a business case for here's why we should double down on this investment or here's why we should pair back on the other one. I still think there's a lot of political decision making that gets done at the firm. So, for instance, an equity partner pops their head into your door and says, Hey, you know, I want you to sponsor such and such. And you know right away there's zero ROI on this. But are you really willing to take the political damage of pushing back on that partner if they happen to be somebody who? you know is going to make you pay for it if you don't do what mm-hmm. they what they ask mm-hmm. you to. I think that also leads to the shiny toy syndrome and I think it also detracts from our ability to make ROI driven business decisions with our investments.
1: Absolutely. I think you're right and I think that we need to be the connectors of dots as marketing and business development professionals and how all of that integrates in order to make the right decisions. So, you know, not just measuring or or really monitoring our budget numbers, but also you know how we spend what we do impacts you know the work that we get or the relationships that are advanced through that expense and that type of thing you know one of the things that that we look at besides just kind of revenue and profitability is client retention rate right so have we retained and grown the clients that we have so i think it's very important to pick the right KPIs for your firm and to be that connector of dots to show these are the things we've done that we think combined have led us to this performance indicator that has been a successful measurement for us.
0: I have a vision of a future in which we have a sophisticated dashboard in front of us, and it's tracking everything, not just our our Google Analytics feed or or stuff that, you know, we're already pretty good about getting our handle on. But, you know, everything is sort of tracked in terms of we have a a minimum ROI requirement on every initiative of at least 2 to Mm. 3x or at least 30% Mm -hmm. over expenditure, whatever it is. And, you know, the, the segments that are not delivering that ROI are are turning red on the dashboard and the other stuff mm-hmm. is you know green and you know we can immediately then say okay now we know what we should cut now we know what we should double down on and it's not political and it's not whimsical and it's not based on whoever's mood is uh is in the leadership chair but it's actually based on real data that we can
1: rely on Absolutely one of the things I do think has been good about the whole innovation conversation is leveraging data right and using data to help you support some of what you know to be true about whether or not you should invest in things, but also just what shows the best record. That data is now something we can really dig into and understand. And I think those of us who are coming to things with a a data analytics mindset and really learning how to use that and leverage it are going to be the winners here, especially when it comes to a firm's contacts and a firm's experience and making sure that those two assets are really well-warehoused, if you will, (laughs) and you have really good data on those things that you can access quickly, that's really when you can uh, make a big impact on the business development side.
0: Yeah, this explains the rise of the legal marketing technologists that we're seeing, people that are more data-oriented and really have the ability to identify tools that will uh, track progress and and make a uh, data-driven argument for or against a decision that the law firm should make.
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the you know, reasons LMA has a um, a brand new uh, marketing technology SIG, a shared interest group that has caught on like wildfire. I think that's only going to increase. I think a couple of years ago, we heard people predicting um, you might have been one of the ones that was doing that, David, um, predicting that, you know, the, the marketing CMO was going to be spending more on technology than the CIO by such and such a year. Um, and I think you're seeing some of that come to fruition.
0: Yeah. You know, I, and I think, again, the landscape lends itself to this. I'm a big fan of LMA, it sounds like you are too, but in some ways they're part of the problem. Every year they come out with, and now this is the next big thing. You know, it sort of mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. jumps our attention from one thing to the next. It's like, wait a minute, I didn't even get a chance to to implement last year's next big thing. So, you know, how how am I going to stay on top of all of this? And and you know you mentioned looking at competitors which I think makes a lot of sense but that can also mm-hmm. be part of the problem because if the Absolutely. If one of your partners walks in your office and says I just saw the firm across the street doing X we should do X it's like wow mm-hmm. you know this is not even in our strategic plan we're still in the middle of doing Y are you sure you want to jump to X i just think that that, that hyper short term attention span issue really mm-hmm. gets in our way
1: Absolutely and i think that one of the other things that we can we can try to do is really kind of monitor trends and what's going on within our practices and industries and where we're again this goes back to leveraging our strengths but from a business development marketing person's perspective you really just need to stay on the ball and on top of things and it's not necessarily always involving business development sometimes it is client management and one of the things that i encourage us to think about very routinely is what client experience can i personally make easier And I found that to be a very effective um, strategy for us to say to our lawyers, but also uh, on our marketing team, right? What can I influence in our accounting team and with our other directors? You know, what can I do? What client experience can I make easier? And just that kind of small shift can really make a big big difference as well. So, you know, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't have to be the cutting edge, bleeding edge, leading edge of everything when it comes to innovation, Um, it can be kind of an innovation of thought or just a slight change to make something better or easier on behalf of your clients.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We're going to add that to today's takeaways. So number one, know your firm and where it needs to grow. Number two, watch industry trends and pay close attention to what is working at other firms. That's part of keeping your eye on your competition as well. So that you're making decisions that are based on, the proven strategies rather than perhaps getting distracted by something that uh, is not quite tried and true just yet identify intended outcomes for each initiative and track your kpis during and your roi afterward so that you can make a sound decision as to whether or not to keep the thing as opposed to switch it out for something else right away and then of course as you just said prioritize the client experience above all if the initiative bolsters your client experience, then you're probably on the right track.
1: That makes me sound pretty smart. I like it. (laughs)
0: Well, that's my job is to make you sound smart and you make it easy (laughs) because you happen to be. So tell us, how would you share some of those smarts with other marketers? If a marketer was to come to you and say, you know, how how do you think I should approach the marketplace given today's landscape? What might you say to
1: them? Um, I would say always be learning and educating yourself. I've been very involved in the Legal Marketing Association. It's got great resources, um, and our membership is very collegial. So there's always ways that you can learn and, and take someone else's tactic and adopt it for yourself. But I also think there's a lot you can do via social media through the Harvard, Harvard Business Review and other kind of publications and resources out there. Obviously, we all have access at our fingertips to so many things to read and think about. The other thing I would say is put some some kind of Thought and planning time on your calendar every week. So, if you can, 30 minutes or an hour where you just put this block on your calendar and say, I'm going to do some kind of strategic planning, thinking, brainstorming session for this time every week. It doesn't have to be the same time every week because obviously our schedules um, are kind of crazy and not always in our control. But really trying to set aside some time to not only be just doing the work, but also kind of planning the work and making sure that. That what you're doing and how you're spending your time is really well aligned with the goals that you have for the department and for the firm. I think that's really important to kind of have that time to be reflective, to be thoughtful, and to be intentional about what you're doing uh, on and for and on behalf of the firm.
0: Wow, that is really good advice. I think we are just as guilty as our lawyers can be of not practicing what we preach. You know, we know that if we're just sort of slammed with, let's call it billable work or client service, Mm -hmm. which is making sure that these various projects stay on track and that our lawyers' needs are fulfilled, and we never step back and take that bird's eye view of our own strategy, of our own kind of long-term vision then we become just like they can be, which is, you know, head down in the weeds and never kind of looking up to take a a gander at what's downstream. So that's, I think, a really smart idea is put that time in the calendar. You're never going to have that free half hour where, oh, look, I've got nothing to do. Maybe I'll do some strategic (laughs) planning right now. That's got to be in there. That's got to be structured. And um, I think that we'll all be more effective, as you said, law firm leaders, if we can actually implement that leadership practice.
1: Absolutely. I think so.
0: Well, Catherine, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. And uh, congratulations on that successful article. I'm glad you had a chance to expand on some of those ideas in this podcast. And I wish you lots of success at Burr Format.
1: Sounds great. Thank you, David. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.